finishes him. How about that? One. What a hit. Falls free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. You got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Hello and welcome back to Serial Bowls. We got the Big Ten preview today. Patrick, how are we feeling? Big noon. But Saturdays are coming really, really soon. I mean, uh, we're going to have now. It's feeling great. We're like, what? A little over two weeks away from live action football. Brother, um, we are 10 days away from yeah. week zero. Two weeks God, from tomorrow, man. probably actually two weeks from today as you're listening. One, baby. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're at the home stretch right now. Um, yeah. So before we get started here, I just want to give a quick um, bulletin to everyone. If you'd like to come on next week to talk about your favorite SEC team, please reach out to us. Um, we've got a couple, but I'll reach out just in case. We still need an Alabama, an Auburn, an LSU. So if you fall into one of those categories, let me know. Um, but today we're focused on the Big Ten, and we're going to start with last year's Big Ten champion, the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, um, Michigan, uh, what they went, talk about a turnaround of a season for them, right? I mean, there was talk oh of gosh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh getting the can, can't get it done, and like all the, uh, you know, the goals they wanted out of him, but he did it all in one swing. I mean, beat Ohio State finally, won the conference, and made the college football playoffs. I mean, yeah, going to twelve and two is, and losing the Orange I mean, Bowl to Georgia is is a, I mean, something to you know be happy about, I guess. Yeah, it's a hell of a season. I mean, that win over Ohio State was one of the most cathartic things I've ever seen in my entire life. In the yeah. snow, and Michigan won it by playing Michigan football. They just whooped yeah. their ass. That was all old school running and defense, and it was uh, it was awesome to watch as as a neutral. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's a question. It's a question to ask. Like, is this as good as it gets for them? Because they do have to replace a fairly good amount of talent, um, as yeah. well as both coordinators, Josh Gaddis and Mike. Uh, what a fool believes McDonald left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, they lost Aiden Hutchinson, probably one of the best pass rushers in the country last year. Uh, David Ojabo, who was also a great pass rusher. Cornerback Daxon Hill, who was one of the best in the country, and as well, Hassan Haskins at running back. Um, so it, it does bring up a cause for pause when you lose both coordinators. Um, they hire from within, so that's good. So there could be continuity there. But um, it just depends how they replicate that talent they lost. Yeah, for me, the big question is how they replace that talent on defense. Yes. Um, only three stars are back, and it's – just one on the D-line, one in the linebacking core, one in the secondary. Um, that that second – honestly, like Michigan has done a really good job of producing front seven talent uh, over Hallwash's tenure. It's that lack of experience in the secondary that really worries me. 
Yeah. Um, um, if you look at the two deep, there's a lot of freshmen. There's a lot of sophomores on there. Um, I don't know, though. I kind of nervous. I kind of they have experience with their safety, Brad Hawkins and quarterback Vincent Gray. And also cornerback, uh, I think, is a sophomore. DJ Turner emerged as a shutdown corner last year. So they do have some. I think in my eyes experience on that back end, uh, definitely the, the where you win the games in the trenches and the defensive line. And the only guy returning uh, is uh, what's his name? Nazi Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. the only one returning on the line. Uh, they have a guy named Mike Morris and Taylor Upshaw who are anticipated to step, step up, but having only one guy back on that line that had multiple stars is, is a concern for me there. Yeah. Absolutely. However, on the flip side, I think the offense will probably be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've got both their weird quarterbacks back in whatever system they're trying to run there. But honestly, McNamara was pretty solid. McCarthy, if he cleans up some of the turnovers, um, he can be helpful uh, as kind of a change of pace. Um, like you said, they do lose Hassan Haskins, but I do think Blake Corum will fill his shoes pretty seamlessly yeah it's just um, weird because Hassan Haskins was a very physical downhill runner and they have Donovan Donovan Edwards as well with Blake Corm who were not as bruising and they excel in open space but I don't really think I will see Michigan back down from that physical run style so they should be fine if they don't cough up the ball um which was essential with Haskins because he had like 452 carries in his career without a fumble and he only lost six yards on 270 attempts last year so if they can even come close to replicating replicating that they'll be fine yeah and they bring a a ton back uh on the line which is always good as well as their top five receivers from last year and then it and then you can add in Ronnie Bell Oh, he's going to be big this year if he's he's, healthy. He looked awesome last year. Then he blew his ACL out in week one. Um, So if he can come back and step right in, I think this offense is looking at pretty much status quo from last year. So the big question is the defense. Um, I think I'm looking at this team. I think we're looking at, um, I would say probably like, we're looking at like a 9-10 win season. I think 9-3 is the floor for them. Um, Yeah. 10-plus win, is, I think, is easy. They have a beautiful schedule, I think. Um, yeah. Most of the big games are home. Penn State, back-to-back Penn State, Michigan State, in late October at home. That's perfect. A little bye um, week in between, too, which is huge. Yeah, and they start off strong against Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland. Um, honestly, like, there's only three teams here that worry me because the way Michigan played their best football is making really good quarterbacks uncomfortable. And luckily they play in a conference that doesn't really have that many great quarterbacks. But I think three weeks here are ones to circle to see how they fare against Maryland, I think, is one um, with Tula Tolo. I can't even say his last name sometimes, but you know what I'm talking about. Tula, yeah. whatever. Um, Michigan State and Ohio State are teams to circle to see how they – if they make those uh, – if their defense is able to have better – not better than last year, but – as good as it can get and make these guys uncomfortable. They, I think 10 plus wins is in the cards for Michigan this year. Yeah. I don't think they'll beat Ohio state. Um, we'll, we'll get to them next. I, I think the Buckeyes are probably a, a top tenor and I don't think Michigan is quite there yet, but I mean, mm-hmm. Hey, they beat them last year. This year uh, for me, my, my snake in the boot game is Nebraska. Watch out for that one. Gave them a yeah, tough game last year and, and the, the Huskers are feisty. Yeah, Scott Frost on a the lifeline there. So we'll see how that one plays out. Okay, our next team is those Ohio State Buckeyes. 
um, who last year had an absolutely atrocious, awful, embarrassing season where they only won the Rose Bowl. I mean, could you just imagine, Patrick? That's honestly disgusting. As their caliber, they should be ashamed of themselves. They should probably, you know, not be a football team, have a penalty at least. I don't know. I mean, golly. Can't even win a national title? There's been a lot of of Cal maybe leaving the Pac-12, maybe dropping down to D3. Maybe Ohio State should follow them. Yeah, um, and with that defense they had last year, I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't blame them. Unfortunately, we're having a little fun right now, but I don't think for us Ohio State haters, I don't think this year is going to be very fun at all. Um, Basically, the only question you can honestly have about this team is, is this a national championship caliber team? Yeah, and I think, again, it comes down to defense. Um, I mean, they were in the top 50 for efficiency, points per drive, yards per play in the past two seasons. But for a team that has title expectations, average is not good. Um, Ryan Day did go out and hire the biggest, one of the biggest names in defensive coordinator spots and Jim Knowles from Oklahoma state, which is a huge hire. So maybe that will negate and hopefully improve the defense. But I mean, on the other side of the ball, they're going to have like the most explosive offense in the country this year without a doubt. Right. Like there's no other team that you can think of. Right. Uh, um, Maybe Alabama. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be probably the best wide receiver in the country. CJ Stroud, when he's not under pressure, and if you can hand, do better that, he was the second most efficient passer. And I mean, he ranked top five in categories of like, you know, yards over 4,000, 10 per pass, 369 yards per game, 44 touchdowns. It's pretty funny how at one point last year, some people. <clears throat> Not, not us, of course. Certainly uh, not questioned me. if he was the man for the job, uh, <laughs> but uh, clearly he is. Um, but the only thing I can think of as a critique of this offense is they did not run the ball well in games that mattered. Um, for example, they only ran about two point one yards per game against Michigan. So there is some sense of improvement that needs to be done. Uh, they got a great running back in Trayvon Henderson. Um, as a freshman last year, he ran for like over twelve hundred yards. So. I think they'll be fine. I mean, they're they're pro- they're going to make the playoffs this year unless they shit the bed against a no name team. Like yeah, sometimes do. Yeah, they it have to be like a truly like historical shit pants shitting. I think. I mean, even last year when they were quote unquote down, um, you know, they're probably one win over you know Michigan away from from the playoff. Um, I mean. Yeah, it's like yeah, and I guess the only thing you can say is if Jim Knowles comes in and it turns out he's he's actually a fraud, it was somehow Mike Gundy's mullet was the reason Oklahoma State's defense was good. Um, but even if that's the case, there's just so much talent. Like, I mean, four and five stars are all over the roster. Um and since Ohio State blows so many teams out, so many of those rotational players get actual game time. So even though they're not returning starters, almost everyone on the defense has seen like meaningful minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a testament to Brian day buying into the young guys. I think 18 of 20 of them logged a hundred, hundred or more snaps were freshmen or sophomores. So uh, the last time they kind of trusted that process was in 2014 and they won the title that year because that paid dividends after getting that experience in. So I honestly think a 12 and O is a very high chance for this team, depending on how they fare against Notre Dame to start the season. 
And I think the only dumb game that I can see for them is the look ahead game against Michigan with Maryland. That could be, yeah. but Maryland, it, it, it a, depends a on their defense, before. I guess. Um, yeah, that, that could be, we'll, we'll get to Maryland a little, in a little bit, but I mean, Maryland is maybe the most flammable team in the country this year. Um, and sometimes that, that, that TNT gets on, on you a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the big 10 favorite. Um, CJ Stroud is, I mean, probably the Heisman favorite. They never like to do uh, repeat winners. Um, Trevion Henderson. I mean, that's the only thing that could stop CJ Stroud from winning the Heisman, I think, is Trevion Henderson taking votes away from him. Um, I am, I kind of wake up in a cold sweat three, four times a week just thinking about that week one game. Uh, hmm, it's going to be, yeah, man, that's going to be a big one. For, it has a lot of, a lot of things going into that game. We're going to find out a lot about both teams in that game. Um, if Ohio State has that dog in them, um, because if there's one thing Notre Dame has, it's, Probably the only thing they have an advantage of is that talent uh, on the offensive line, um, and on the defensive line, Isaiah Foskey is a you know he's a Todd McShay's uh, rankings came out today and he's a top half of the first round guy. So Ohio State's going to have to account for that. I think their speed on the edges will more than cover that, but we can get to that when we get to Week One. Uh, let's get to another team last year that honestly, despite the record. I think was kind of a fraud last year. And, and that's those Michigan state Spartans. Wow. Um, the easiest, you know, this is, we're not a gambling show, but the easiest money I made last year was when Ohio state went into play Michigan state. Um, and Ohio state had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, CJ, all those guys we talked about. Michigan state's past defense was uh, the worst in the fucking country. And so yeah. I met Ohio State to cover two touchdowns, and they won 56 to 7. That and that's for undersells how close that really was. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, their defense did like start really strong last season. They were averaging about 18 points per game. But by November, they were averaging 36 points per game. They were gassed, and they were almost allowing like 50% third down conversions. Um, so that's probably a, a big issue going into this team is having consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, yeah, they did have one of the biggest turnaround seasons other than Michigan last year, maybe in recent college football history. Um, yeah. Do you do you think Michigan State probably dropped the bag too early, giving Mel Tucker ten years for ninety five million? Uh, probably. I think they might have. Um, but I mean, offensively, they had a thirteen point eight point improvement in scoring and quarterback Peyton Thorne is a big reason. I mean, he quietly became one of the best quarterbacks last year, broke season, the single season touchdown record with 27 and belief in the uh, Sparty campus. He's just starting. I mean, he had a 12 to two touchdown interception on play, uh, play action, 11th in yards and gained in play action. While 10 completions over 40 yards were also off play action. But the big question with that is they have to fill the hole left by Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Michigan State is kind of becoming transfer you. Um, they their two replacements for him are Jarek Broussard uh, from Colorado and Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. He played sparingly last year. I think he got in a fight with his teammate or something. Yeah, he was I think he was kicked off the team maybe. Yeah. And then but, they're hoping that those two guys can fill in. I mean that's 
Derek Bassard was the 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, but that is the Pac-12, and also it was the COVID year. So I always take an asterisk with that because a lot of teams have proven that that's not really the case with 2020. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely a concern trying to replicate that insane talent that Walker brought. But, um, I mean, having Thorne as the quarterback and Jaden Reed is back as his go-to guy is a nice touch. Um, They also have a former NFL player kid on here, son, Antonio Gates Jr., as a wide receiver. Um, So it's it's definitely talent-wise replacing that. It's a question. Um, their O line's a bigger question with some serious depth concerns behind the starting five. There's not much game experience in their second unit. So there might be, I'm with you, there might be regression coming for Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, I still think this, because, you know, as we kind of go through here, we'll see that the quarterback play in this conference isn't amazing. Yeah. And so I do think Peyton Thorne is on the top at end in the conference. And I think that can win you a lot of games. The defense, even as bad as it was last year, eight stars are back, and then you add in Amir Speed from Georgia. Yeah, that's going to be a huge boost for them because their passing defense was the worst part of the year last year. Yeah, so even if it's just him and if he can just shut down one receiver and that makes the defense 10% better, it may not seem like much, but that's the difference between being dead, like literally the most passing yards against in the country last year and just being bad. I, yeah, I think even that could go a long, long way. Yeah, and um, I really think that uh, their floor this season is eight wins. I th- that's still something good to take away. I don't know if they're going to be able to get to 11 again, you know, but they're, they're still going to be a very good team. Yeah, they get Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, the crossover game, Minnesota at home. Yeah, that, I mean, as far as, as drawing teams from the West goes – that's not bad. Easy non-con. Washington, they're at Washington, but Washington stinks right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree that the floor is is pretty high. I don't think this is going to be a team that will come, you know, November 1 that we're talking about put playoff dark horse, Big Ten East dark horse. Yeah. Okay. Now, a team I could talk myself into being that, those Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, last year, seven and six one of the most chaotic teams I've ever seen. Um, they yeah. week to week, they got in the most deranged rock fights I have ever seen in my life. I mean, week one against Wisconsin, they escaped 16 to 10. That game stunk. It was insane. And then week, I think it was seven or eight. It was a nine overtime loss to Illinois final score okay, to 18. We were watching that together. That I, oh we like all like there's like eight of us in a room, just like please, for the love of God, end <laughs> this game, please. And, and it was it was you know the rules changed. So after the third overtime, or whatever, it, they were just trading two point conversions, and neither team could do it. Yeah. It's two <laughs> yards. It was so bad. Oh man, yeah. Um, I'm a little worried about Penn State. Um, Sean Clifford's a great quarterback. When he's, uh, healthy, he's, just, which is when he's healthy, rare. that's the key. That's the key point right there. I mean, their offensive line is awful. Um, it's been a problem under James Franklin for years. I mean, Clifford yep. was sacked three times or more in six games and 30 times overall last year. 
he, I mean, they've allowed 32.9% of dropbacks having pressures. It's just they need to really fix that O-line if they want Sean Clifford to take him to the levels of making it to a Big Ten title game again. Yeah, and I think to your point about the offensive line, last year was um, probably the first year ever, if I'm going to guess, that there was not a single 100-yard rushing game for Penn State. Yes. Uh, on Lee, who's the presumed starter this year, uh, he did run for 57 more yards in 21 than he did the season previous. Uh, but then you remember that in 2020, he played um, three fewer games and it was COVID. So like we are, that offensive line is bad. Um, and it doesn't really matter how good anyone else can be, how good Parker Washington could be, who I think is a great, great young receiver. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter how great you are if your quarterback takes two and a half steps and gets hit in the back. Yeah. It's, it's play action doesn't work and nothing works. Yeah. And they, I think they can have some, I mean, they got all this talent, like you said, in the backfield. So it's just going to be intriguing to see how this plays out on that line. I think they might get it together a little bit and keep Clifford upright, which more consistently, which will help in the long run. Um, but this has definitely been an ongoing issue for James Franklin, and it could lead to his demise in my eyes. Ooh. You think they'll fire him, or you think he'll excuse himself? I, I, so he just got a contract extension recently, so I don't think they're going to fire him. But That contract extension is fake as shit. It's one of those... Yeah. It's yeah. it's like an it's like an NFL contract. It's like 10 years, $100 million, then you look closer, it's like only two... $2,000 are guaranteed. Yeah, and I think he's safe this year, but I think there's going to be some serious questions going to next year with probably Sean Clifford leaving next year. And it's just there's a lot of – there's too many questions for me with them right now for them to win the conference. They're a wildly inconsistent offense. The amount of production they lost on all three phases, on defense, offense, special teams too, is really hard to overcome. I, I think the best-case scenario, they're a year away from some, something really good, but – I do think they'll still be fine-ish. The seven or eight wins, maybe nine, I think is reachable with them this year. Yeah, I, I think the same. Eight or nine, I, I think the schedule sets up pretty well. At Auburn could be tough, but that team's such a disaster right now. And then I think even though they are at Michigan, we talked about them earlier. I think there's some holes in that team that I, I think Penn State could exploit. Um, but – yeah, I don't know. They do lose, of course, Brent Pride, Virginia Tech. They bring in Manny Diaz. The shine is off him a little bit. I I think you're right at the end of the day. There's just a few too many questions, but this is my pick for the team to run into the Ohio State game 7-0, and and everyone's got a lot of hype, and then they lose by 30 to 40 points. Yeah, yep, wake-up call. Well. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, our, our next team, a team that probably will not challenge for the Big Ten East, Maryland, um, a team that has sort of quietly built themselves from a team that could beat your Rutgers and that's about it to a team. I, I think there are a lot of similarities between Maryland and Minnesota, actually. Um, they had some talent before, but the depth was never really there. And I think Mike Loxley has kind of made, has brought the depth up the floor on this team is much higher. Um, and a lot of that starts with Talia Tungavailoa. Um, who was an absolute maniac last year, throwing for just under 4,000 yards and, and 26 touchdowns. Um, and I think this year, 
I think Maryland has been in the Big Ten now for eight or nine years, and I think they've only beaten one of the big four, um, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, twice. I think four it was Jim, Jim Harbaugh's first year and then Penn State really early on. Um, this, But I think this year could be the year. What, what, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I do have a stat. They're four and twenty-five against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State since they've joined in two thousand fourteen. Okay. Twice, twice um, as I thought. Not so yes, bad. but they have been outscored in those games by an average of twenty-five points. Um, but I do think that Mike Mike Loxley has seen some progress with the team, and he seems to be having them heading in the right direction. I mean, they had their first winning record since two thousand fourteen last year, and that sealed a nice five-year contract extension, which is great. Um, they do have a pretty damn explosive offense with uh Tualia. Um <clears throat> and they probably have like the best receiver room in the Big Ten this side of Ohio State with uh Rakeem Jarrett who I think is gonna really Lots. break out this year. He had 62 receptions, 829 yards and five touchdowns. Um <clears throat> very deep group I like there. Um another guy senior Dante Demas who has uh, near the top of the conference in yards per reception with 18.1. So I really like what they have on offense. I know their defense was susceptible last year, but they're in search of improvement there. Um, <clears throat> it is kind of concerning. Um, Loxley seemed to have had a cornerstone recruiting class in uh, 2021. I mean, they had a five-star linebacker, Terrence Lewis, a top 100 passer, Chop Robinson, and a four-star linebacker, Brandon Jennings. But all three players have since transferred out of the program. I don't know if that's a testament to they just got a better NIL offer somewhere else, but that's a little concerning to me. Yeah, I, 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 that, I did some reading on that. Apparently, like what Maryland does is they just try to get the kids and then figure out the rest out later. And I think that sometimes you get, uh, you know, knuckleheads. Um, like I know Terrence Lewis specifically sw- switched his commitment from like Florida to Tennessee to Maryland to Florida to Tennessee. Like he, he kind of like rotate around okay. a lot. And that never speaks well uh, on what's going on there. Um, the, you know, Maryland was willing to take the risk, and, and they got burned. And I think that that's just what's what's going to happen sometimes. But to, to briefly touch on the offense again, they do also bring into that receiver room Jacob Copeland, who was Florida's lead receiver last that's year. Right. So I mean, like you said, I, I mean, I think right now that's a, big a better receiver room than Ohio State. I mean, talk to me in week two when Marvin Harrison's son goes for 300 yards but um it's certainly second best um and then on defense they've got a lot of talent Ruben Hypolite Jr. um, he's out wide on the linebacker he's a really good player he has really good speed and he's he's a big tackler um and then I'd be remiss not to shout out Dante Trader Jr. who got a lot of time as a freshman last year and uh this spring he'll also be joining the uh, Maryland lacrosse team so shout out Dante Nice, a dual athlete. We like to see that. Yeah. So I, I think this year in Maryland, that, that defense needs to reel it in a little bit. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be the most flammable team in the country, perhaps. Like, this is the perfect team for when there's a big SEC game at 3.30. Then you've got a, a, a great top 10 matchup at night, but the noon slate is kind of mid. You just flip on over to ESPN or the Big Ten Network, and you just watch whoever the hell Maryland's playing at noon because there's going to be some fireworks. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I do think their margin of error for a bowl game this year is, again, slim. They kind of have a tough schedule. Um, but they are primed for a very explosive offense here, and the defense needs to be worked quick. Um, 
but they do return like a lot of ta- a lot of decent talent, like you said. Um, but if they if they can you know get improve just a slight bit better on defense, I think seven wins seven wins is very possible for them this year. Yeah, that I mean that SMU game. That's that's a that's, tough. That's a stupid stupid one right there. Yeah. That schedule. Yeah, Maybe they you know did it like eight years ago, thinking like SMU they'll still be rattled by those recruiting yeah. allegations. Yeah, and this that stretch of SMU at Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, that that's a tough one. That yeah, you, if you can get out of there with two wins, you're feeling good. Yep, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I agree. This is a, probably a bowl team, but the mar- the very very slim margin of error. Um, moving on to a team that did somehow get into a bowl last year, um, thanks to Texas A&M being scared to play at Wake Forest. You heard it here first. Uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who went five and eight last year, and two and seven in the Big Ten. This is another team where the progress is there. It's taking a while. Um, Shiana's got a, a hell of a lot of work to do, but you you can see the progress being made. Yeah, this is another team where their biggest issue is their offensive line, but I've been reading into it, and it seems that the revamping of that has been priority number one this offseason. They got 11 new players, so they seem to be on the right path. They got a bunch of transfers in that have multi-year starts um, from FCS, FBS, all across the board. Um, So it looks like they're turning in the right direction. I know that there is some competition at quarterback with their six-year senior Noah Vidral, who – is the favorite in my opinion with experience, but they really like this four-star quarterback they have in Gavin Wimsat. Um, it is fun cool. when Rutgers Verdell like, stinks. I don't want to watch him anymore. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he went like eighteen, I think eighteen hundred yards and seven for seven. Yeah, um, which is not great. Uh, so yeah, I think you know maybe moving on would be a smart idea if you want to figure things out there. Um, but I mean, Shiano is all like Shiano Rutgers when they're just chaos on teams. It's really, fu- really funny and fun to watch. Um, they seem to be ag- aggressively adding talent to fill holes in the transfer portal, which is good to see. Um, but I don't know, man. I'd like how, how, what's your best case scenario with this team when wise? Uh, five. Five wins? Okay. Yeah. I think, like, the best-case scenario to me, the best, best-case scenario to me with the new coaches they got, uh, I know he finally got the defensive coordinator he wanted for years and Joe Harris-Miak, um, <clears throat> and adding more depth and getting talent out of that depth. I think a bowl game, legitimate bowl game, not one where Texas A&M too scared to play Wake Forest kind of thing, can end a seven-year skid of losing records with them, but it's it's a tough ask with a team like Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Boston College as well. So, I mean, you really – I mean, if you get out of your non-con, just two and one. I mean, there are crossover games this year, Iowa, Nebraska, and at Minnesota. That's just a little too tough, I think. Yeah. And then, I mean – and then, like you think, a toss-up game would be Maryland. They're they're at Maryland for that, so that that's another ding um, for that. I mean, that stretch is at Minnesota, Michigan, at Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland. That's a that's a tough five-game stretch right there. Yeah, it's very it's it's. I mean, it's not looking good. I think they'll they'll have a little fight in them in a lot of these games, but 
<clears throat> I think it's going to be a bit until we actually take Rutgers seriously. Yeah, like th- yeah, there's going to be some base competency here. They won't embarrass themselves uh, as as kind of, as consistently, but yeah, I, I I don't think I don't think we'll quite see it yet uh, this year. Yeah, boys. Good Let me scroll. You know who's a total fraud? Tell me. Indiana. Yeah, dude, they stink. <laughs> Oof. Just, it was just, I mean, last year it's like 2020, they're like, oh my God, we're so good, we're so good. And then all of a sudden, not so good after all. I mean, two and 10 last year. Fucking awful. Yeah, they um, they really shit the bed. There was talk about a team that had such high expectations, but were they like technically a COVID fraud team, or would were, were they? Did they? Yeah, were they're they good. Okay, so they were good in COVID, and they're like, damn, look at this yeah. guy, and then, oof. Yeah, they're 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 a COVID fraud team for me, for sure. What's up, Andrew? Yo, how's it going? What's up, man? Good man. How are you? I am doing. What are you all doing? Good. We're, we're... Little shit about Indiana if you want to pile in. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope it's a bounce back year for them. Um, but I, I mean, if history serves, it, it probably won't be. But I really liked when they were actually good a few years ago. And um, Tim Allen, I think, is probably what's his, that's his name, right? He's like a thousand years old. So I just love when like a yeah. thousand year old man is like just jumping up and down, running down the sideline. Um, and we didn't get a lot of that last year. So, you know, yeah. Hope it comes back. Yeah. All right. So to preview those Badgers, we've got our friend Andrew Bauer here. Andrew, say hi to the people. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Uh, big fan of the show. So happy to contribute today and talk about my Badgers. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the, the story on Wisconsin is basically they're going to run the ball, they're going to play good defense. But as we've seen in modern college football, for you to get to that next level, the offense has to be a little more explosive. A- after spending the past eight years with the Ravens, what can new offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram do to get th- this offense to that next level? Yeah, so that's a, a really good point. I mean, that's the major takeaway, right? Like, we love our culture and tradition at Wisconsin. We got the big uglies up front. Uh, probably the best running back room in the conference. I know I'm a little bit biased, but the numbers are there to prove that. The personnel yeah. are, there, are, are there to prove that. But we need that next dimension uh, to make a jump. And the, the hire of Bobby Ingram is exactly what we've needed. And kind of surprising that it happened. I mean, you know, Paul Chris coming out of uh, you know the Barry Alvarez camp, you know, typically, we don't make a ton of changes, so uh, bringing him on board was big. Um, obviously, you've seen what he did with Mark Andrews at Baltimore, um, and in that offense, uh, kind of speaks to how how excited we are um, to give us that new evolution. So, um, with that being said, though, maybe Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi, and even our third stringer, uh, kind of a stud. So, we don't want to get away from that too much, but just having Bobby Ingram there to provide that new dimension. Um, going to be great for us. So I could go into that a little bit more. I mean, we don't know much. Uh, Paul Chris has been, uh, you know, classic in that he's been super tight-lipped about what this will actually look like. We've only had four open practices during fall camp, um, which is extremely unusual. So, uh, you know, with the way that he likes to open up the playbook over the course of the season, uh, the first three games against the cupcakes that we have, 
you might not see a ton of those explosive plays, but I think by the time we get to Ohio State in week four, um, you'll start seeing kind of all the uh, all the changes that we've made on all. Yeah, so now that you all brought yeah. in offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram, um, I think a big key question for this offense is the play of Graham Mertz, Mertz. And I know he kind of struggled last year, but at times and stretches, he looked like a pretty good quarterback. I think it's just about him being more consistent. Now, with that, how long do you think Graham Mertz's leash is this year? Uh, so the short answer, I think for the coaching staff, it's extremely long. I mean, Paul Chris does not – stray away from players. He puts a lot of trust in them. That's a part of his culture. That's a part of his philosophy. On the other hand, he has no leash with the fan base. They completely lost it last year. He looked like probably one of the worst quarterbacks in recent Wisconsin memory. And that's kind of saying something. Uh, you know, last year, for example, <laughs> I was in uh, Madison for the Las Vegas Bowl sitting at windows right off State Street. Everyone just hisses and boos. Anytime he mm. went back, uh, you know, to throw a pass, everyone just ragging on him. So he has absolutely no. But again, I mean, Chris isn't going to move away from him. Um, I really like Mertz. He committed to Wisconsin as a four-star recruit, All-American Bowl uh, MVP in high school. He's stuck with the program. And I think he knows that this year is it. So he has to perform, or for his sake, he'll probably end up moving on. So I, I really hope for the best for him. And then on top of that, we really have no options behind him. I mean, Chase Wolf, he was a senior, you know, God love him, but he is absolute pick six machine. Uh, I, I've never seen a player <laughs> so prone to throwing the ball to the other team and watching them run down the sideline for anywhere from 50 to 100 yards into the end zone. And then yeah, we have two freshmen behind him. So, I mean, that leash is long for several. Yeah, and it seems that Mertz is kind of trying to fix himself. I read that he's been slimming down to make himself more flexible this year, so he's trying to be better, which is a good sign. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely committed, right? I mean, he wants it to work at Wisconsin. He doesn't want things to go the way that they have been going. So I think he's more motivated than ever. And then again, with Bobby Ingram coming in uh, to really inject some life into the offense, something's got to give there, and I think it'll break well for him this season. Nice. Now, speaking of injecting some new life into that offense, um, so Wisconsin has brought in a couple pretty good freshman wide receivers um, in Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell. How badly do you think this for this offense to be successful that one of these guys needs to pop? Yeah, definitely need them to pop. Um, you know, they've been really good <laughs> in camp. Uh, both of them have had like highlight reels plays. And again, we've only had four opportunities to see them in camp out of every one of those sessions there's been something posted you know by evan flood from 24 7 for example just absolutely showing how great they are however i'm actually a little bit more intrigued by the upperclassmen wide receivers that we have in the class and speaking of bobby ingram his son dean uh was a really good cornerback for us he's a junior now made the switch over to wide receiver looking to be like a really great of gadget slot player and then obviously he's more motivated than ever to be a good wide receiver because his dad is running the offense he wants to make that offense look great so again i, I think he has all the motivation in the world plus chimir dk um Mertz's freshman roommate he's been there for a few years he's flown under the radar behind guys like danny davis and kendrick Pryor, who are lighting it up in the nfl by the way i'd like to note that um yeah, he, yeah. Again, he's motivated to to absolutely perform well. And then we have uh, Keontes Lewis coming in from uh, newly minted Big Ten UCLA. 
Uh, he's technically a redshirt freshman, but he performed really well out at UCLA. Seems to be beyond his years, so I kind of don't count him as a freshman. But, again, there's a lot of good things to like out of this group from freshmen all the way up to juniors. Great. Yeah, so uh, that's a great answer there. Um, let's let's switch on the other side of the ball. Um, <clears throat> despite how great Jim Leonard's been at defensive coordinator and how amazing the Badgers were on defense last year, there are only three starters coming back. So how concerned are you about just the inexperience filing in for the talent that's left? Uh, absolutely no worries at all. As long as Jim Leonard is there at the helm, I am, am 0% worrisome, partially because – He's developed a really good culture around development, and that's kind of raised the tide in our recruiting. Instead of getting three-star guys that he really develops over the course of four years, we've had a lot of four-star guys come in and make instant impacts, and that just allows him uh, to reload every season. Now, with that being said, his three returning starters, Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig in particular, were two most impactful players last year at the kind of the biggest positions in our system on the line at the edge. So while it might seem like a deficiency, only three starters returning, I'm pretty confident that those two guys will lead a good unit and you'll be hearing their names on Sundays in future years. But uh, again, the transfer portal for us this off season has been insane. And that's you know shown by the defensive side of the ball. And again, Leonard's ability to kind of recruit people into the culture. So three veterans, Cornerbacks have come in. That was supposed to be a, a big question mark. Got Cedric Dort from Kentucky, Jay Shaw from UCLA, Justin Clark from Toledo. All three of those guys were the best players on their previous teams on the defensive side of the ball. And now you're inserting them into an environment with Jim Leonard. That's only going to make him better. And then on top of that, Wisconsin, nowhere, amazing Hawaii pipeline going on, thanks to Nick Herbig. Brought in Kamoi Latu. I totally butchered that name. Apologies to him. Uh, <laughs> Utah. He fills in at safety. We've seen a few highlight reels from him already in camp. And then at the linebacker. Yeah, and then at the linebacker position, that's one of the areas where I just don't have any doubts. Even though you've never heard of the guy stepping up, just the tradition that we've cultivated there over the last decade. I have no no worries about that group. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. Now um the how, how about how concerned are you about Jim Lander potentially getting a head a head job in the next uh, year or two? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, every like ranking that comes out of any sports journal saying what are the next assistant head coach to take a job, Jim Lander is always top five of that list. He's always shown a commitment to, to Wisconsin, though. So unless something drastic happens where we potentially have a really good season, Chris strings together a few good seasons and might stay there for more than five years. You might see him make a jump, but I think he's waiting in succession behind Chris to eventually take that role uh, when it does open up. And again, he's already demonstrated that commitment. So I'm not too worried. And then, you know, on the other hand, if he does take a head coaching job and performs as well as he's done as assistant and then Chris retires, you have someone waiting in the wings to make the yeah. jump back to his alma mater. So I there. Yeah, yeah win yeah. Okay. Um, now, I guess and part of this uh, answer will be Jim Leonard stays, but what would qualify 2022 as a successful season for, for Wisconsin fans? Yeah, it's a great question. It's been a rough two years, to be honest with you. We, we want to get back to being in the conference championship consistently, winning the vi division consistently, and getting back on that trajectory of being one step away from elevating from uh, you know, a conference champion, a PRE, if you will, 
to someone that's moving on into the college football playoff. That probably won't happen this year, obviously, um, just being realistic. But that's the trajectory we want to get back on. I'll I'll pardon the COVID season. We were really hampered, probably the worst uh, team in terms of affected by COVID. But last season was just straight up unacceptable. So uh, with the conference being kind of tough this season, I'm really encouraged by Chris going back to scheduling cupcakes (laughs) for the first three games. Um, Because Chris absolutely loves opening up the playbook over the course of the season. He likes to build on success every week. He couldn't do that last year. We had Penn State, Notre Dame to open. We saw how bad the team played, how not confident they were. You know, we have those three easy games, and I think that'll bring us uh, a lot of momentum through the season. Now, with that being said, those first three games, gaining momentum, opening up the playbook, building on success week by week, probably going to drop the biggest hot take on this episode, and I hope it is. I think we march through (laughs) Columbus in week four and knock off the Buckeyes in the shoe. Wow. ESPN, Ooh. right? Yeah, flaming hot take. Call the fire department. ESPN <laughs> has us at an 8% chance to win that game right now, and I absolutely love those odds. That's just going to go up on a bulletin board somewhere. I think we're going to be really confident uh, for that game. We're going to open up that playbook and get, develop some comfort in those three games, and then we're just going to shock Ryan Day's subpar, sharp-faced beard right off of his face during that game. And then, of course, I think, you know, defense-wise, just with Leonard, them being motivated to be the best defense in the country, going into that game, they're going to have something to prove. So, But if we come up short against Ohio State, I don't really see that as a massive problem. Again, 8% chance of winning is there for a reason. I think we could have a really dominant in-conference campaign. We do have tough games like at Ohio State and at Iowa, even though we're 7-2 and two against Iowa you know, this decade. Um, I think the hard we're going to have don't, this year. Don't let him forget. Don't let him forget who runs the West. <laughs> yeah. I Hey, listen, I have all the respect in the world for Iowa. They play the same brand of football that we do. But again, we're seven and two against them this decade. One of those losses was COVID year when like a third of our team was on the sideline in an empty stadium. I, I'm confident. The biggest. I, uh, I mean, I kind of agree with you on the Ohio State. I mean, if, if they don't upset us, I think it's going to be really close. Because if you saw a lot like last year, a lot of times that Ohio State struggled is when you put pressure on C.J. Stroud. He's not a good quarterback to extend plays or he kind of crumbles under pressure. And they got, I think, in my opinion, one of the best outside linebackers in the country, Nick Herbig. So oh, yeah. they, they have a chance to really make some disruption there. They, I could definitely see them making some noise week four. No, for sure. And I think Herbig's extremely underrated. I mean, ESPN came out with their top 100 college football players of the, this season. He was like 90-something. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how – People undervalue him like that. I think that's going to motivate him. Um, you know, games like Purdue, though, I'm kind of worried. I mean, they, they can really mix it up on offense. Uh, they could find ways to beat our defense. Uh, but ultimately, I think we're going to be uh, super consistent this year, especially in conference play. And there's just so much urgency around doing well this season for both our roster and the coaching staff. We can't have another disappointing season. So I, I think that's how it'll shake out this year. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see a floor of nine wins. I mean, I think they, they're probably going to win the division this year and because it's kind of weak other than a, probably Iowa. Um, but, I mean, if they can, you know, they do have to go to Michigan State and Ohio State away, but if they can get one of those wins off, I think they're going to be sitting pretty this season. Yeah, definitely. And I, mean, I, I didn't talk about it at all, but, I mean, Braylon Allen, to me the coldest take I'll provide to you podcast, I think he runs away with the Doak Walker this year. Um, absolutely disrespected. I mean, last year he didn't even get 
any significant touches until like the fourth game of the season didn't start until after Chesna Lucy went down with an ACL injury, still put up over 1,200 yards, 10 TDs for a 6.8 average. You, you have Bijan Robinson from Texas. ESPN just ranked him fifth best player, um, you know, for for this upcoming season. Both of his numbers. Same thing with Travion Henderson. I mean, they even had Syracuse's Sean Tucker ahead of Allen. So I think him being criminally underrated like that and then him being just an absolute beast, basically Derrick Henry Jr., he's going to carry this team. You add that offensive flair that we talked about earlier on top of our consistent defense, and uh, it could be a special year. But like I said, we just got to get back on track after two really bad seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, pretty excited when I saw how Allen popped uh, the rest of the year um, as a Notre Dame fan that he didn't really factor into that week three game. Yeah. Uh, I think I, we dodged a bullet there. Yeah, no, I, I Penn State did as well, you know. But, I, hey, I know you're a big Notre Dame fan, Ned. I think you guys are going to do well this year. I think you're going to bully uh, Ohio State to begin with. And I think that might contribute to us potentially pulling it up and off uh, an upset in Columbus. So, um, big ups to you all. I know we didn't bring our best last year, but who knows? Maybe we see you in a bowl game later on this year. Yeah, I could see a little little Rose Bowl, or I don't know what the playoffs are off the top of my head. One of those New Year's Six ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that changes constantly. Who knows if there will even be an NCAA after the end of the season, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> are, um, are you getting out to Camp Randall at all this year? I am indeed. So I'll be at that Purdue game that I mentioned, homecoming. Um, really excited to go. Again, I think that could be a really tough game. Um, I personally think while the West on paper might seem a little weaker this year, I, I've never seen uh, a Minnesota team that's come out and been more competitive game in and game out like what P.J. Flex done. I obviously can't stand P.J. Flex as a person. However, he puts together a hell of a football team. I think Purdue's going to shock a lot of people this year, and then I was going to linger. So um, it'll be a great season. I, I just hope we come out on top. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch. Um, like you said, I think this is one of the more interesting teams this year, especially in the Big Ten, um, which is how that new offense is going to uh, emerge. Um, and then, Andrew, before we let you go, one last bonus question here. What You know, I saw, I see you're going to, to Madison in late October. I mean, that's prime fall weather. What, what's your perfect fall football Saturday? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a really good because fall is my favorite time of the year. Every sport is popping off. And as you know, I'm a sports mm-hmm. fanatic on top of just college football. For me, a great fall is waking up in bed, having nothing to do on Saturday. It's probably like 8.30, you know? Like you're, you're sleeping in a little bit, but we're all adults, so you can't go past like 9, you know? You flip on some Premier League, you wake up, you, 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 you cook a good breakfast, maybe a bowl of cereal, watch some Premier League, flip it over to, uh, you know, college game day. And then just wall-to-wall college football. Uh, I mean, that's just – it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It is. It's pretty great. Um, The crackling of leaves, uh, weather where you don't want to, like, go outside and scream at the sky, it's just amazing. Um, And, and, you know, I'm excited for it. Um, Again, you know, just having a fall right now where we could have the the World Cup on top of all the other good stuff that we have, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. yeah, I, that 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 stretch of Thanksgiving where the World Cup games start at five a.m. and then there's it's that stretch where there's like because of Maction and Fun Belt and NFL, oh, yeah. a football game on literally every single day, and you just sprinkle morning World Cup in. I mean, 
my job should just fire me now because I'm going to be an all-time low productivity. I can only imagine. I just hope this podcast gets produced on a weekly basis. I don't know how you all do it between actually consuming it and reporting on it. So I give you all kudos. Again, this is heavy in my podcast rotation, and uh, I appreciate uh, coming on and and sharing my bit here. So I hope you all all have an awesome season. Um, I'll be listening, that's for sure, and uh, we'll see how things shake out. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. All right, Iowa. I mean, the big question with Iowa is can this team do anything to resemble an average offense? I've got the Spencer Petrus. Yeah, dude, totally. Absolutely. I've got got a few stats from last year for you here. Uh Here are Iowa's ranks in the big 10 and then nationally Uh scoring 10th, 99th, rushing 11th, 101st, passing 8th, 109th. Total offense, 13th, 121st in the country. But, hey, let's look at the advanced stats. Maybe we look a little deeper beyond your box score stats. There's more to be seen. Oh, I'm getting word that their efficiency was 120th. Their explosiveness was 119th. Hmm. And, hey, finishing drives, 118th. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what, man. Uh I don't know what uh, Iowa's defense keeps Kirk Ferentz alive. Um, he just signed an extension through 2029. He'll be 71 by that time. Um, but this team always seems to fall short. It's like, they're, I have some cases here. They finished in their final rankings four straight times, but every season, like, they always just miss. Like, uh, 2015, Michigan State University had a 22 play drive to win in the Big Ten. 2018, three first-round picks couldn't carry the team to a title. 2019, they had the two-point loss at Wisconsin that left a 10-win team outside of the title game. And then 2020, a one-point loss to Northwest Northwestern prevented the most complete team probably in the history of Iowa to miss out. And finally, last year, a team that was number two at one point fumbled the bag with a pair of midseason losses to Purdue and Wisconsin paired with a struggling offense. Yeah. Like if this team really wants their their defense, we can say it time and time again is fantastic. But this offense, man, good God, Spencer Peters is awful. I don't think that dude's leash is long this year. Yeah, but it should. I mean, maybe it should be because the backup Alex Padilla is even worse. He had three starts when Peters was injured, and he only compl- he completed less than fifty percent of his passes. He threw two touchdowns to two picks, and then this was with. All, all unanimous All-American first-round NFL draft pick center Tyler Linderbaum on the uh, on the offensive line, he's gone. So, yeah. I mean, what what are we looking at here? I mean, and then last year Tyler Goodson, he's gone too. Goodson was an absolute stud, eleven hundred yards, four and a half yards to carry. They could just put the ball in his hands and he could take care of business. Um, their number t- and he was also their number two receiver. So much of the offense ran through him. And now what are they going to do? Here's an idea. Maybe don't employ your your dumbass son to run your offense for seven years and score. Yeah, that's a great, a great call. Yeah, that's definitely – yep, nepotism, baby. You know <laughs> how it goes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, their O-line didn't really gel until the Citrus Bowl last year, and they do return most of the starters, obviously, without All-American star center Tyler Linderbaum. Um and their injuries did plague the line last year for a bit. So maybe more consistent play up front will help bail out Spencer Petras enough 
for them to do good, like better. Um, they do on the other side of the ball have seven different returnees logging at least 200 plus defensive line snaps. Um, they got plenty of talent, including in my opinion, who might be the best player defensively in the conference, all American Jack Campbell at linebacker. Um, they have probably the best defensive back. He was the defensive back of the year last year, cornerback Riley Moss. So they do have a defense to bail out the offense against depends on, you know, the offense not coughing up the ball and really struggling on their half of the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so what you mean is this is the classic Iowa team. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, I think the West champ for them like, comes down to offensive improvement and quarterback play. Um, I mean, if if Peters can elevate his game just a little bit, they were close last year. They, I think, a division title in New York Six Bowl could be in play. Could. I think that's our okay, best so case just, scenario. So Peter just needs to raise his game a little bit. So what I'm hearing is that it's impossible. All yeah, right. Yeah. They're just going to find themselves in the wrong end of low-scoring low games again. Yeah. I mean, the, the crossover games at Rutgers, that's an easy win. But Michigan, then at Ohio State, that's a, that's a tough break. I just don't. The schedule doesn't work for them. The offense doesn't work for them. I, I, I just don't see it with these guys this year. Um, but, I mean, again. We're gonna have a classic eight eight win Iowa team. A lot of programs would kill for that. Yeah, um, a lot of programs would kill for it. And we'll, we'll more about Nebraska later. Um, we're gonna move on to Minnesota now. Um, Minnesota last year and uh, as pretty solid nine and four got a nice bowl win in a ugly eighteen to six guaranteed rate bowl win over West Virginia. But hey, they were there, baby. Um, they did pretty well in the opener against Ohio State, and they've got Tanner Morgan back, who's pretty good sometimes. Uh, but I, I think the real key is Muhammad Ibrahim is back uh, after suffering an injury last year. The running back, he's he's a stud. Yeah, um, they uh, really. I, I would say when we watched that game because it was it was one of the week zero games, wasn't it? Or um... I think it, it was that Thursday night opener that they loved just okay. to bait on. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw him go down that game, and everyone was just like, "Yeah, their season's done." <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, he gained like 163 yards in less than three quarters against Ohio State that game. Um, he was going off. If, um, he, if he had played the whole game, I, I, it was kind of like going. Strad was looking a little shaky. Yeah, um, like they might be able to, to get that upset, and then mm-hmm. it just didn't didn't quite happen for him. But you know, they still rushed the ball 46. 46- Point two times per game last year without him. Um, so they were fine, I think. Um, but with him coming back, man, that's going to be a game changer, I think. They're calling this like full offensive four that's coming back, the encore four with quarterback Tanner Morgan, Ibrahim, Ibrahim and wide receiver Chris Autumn Bell, Chris Autumn Bell, and center John Michael Schmidt. So they got a lot of experience in every position group offensively. Um, they do have like 197 combined starts going on the offensive line, but they have brought in some grad transfers from Michigan and uh, Quinn Carroll from Notre Dame to help fill in that left side of the center. So the transition struggle could be a thing there, but I mean, Ibrahim is just insane. He's going to, I think might be in the running for Heisman this year. Um, he's my offensive player of the year in the conference for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kelly's tendon is a tough injury to come back from, but he's such a game changer for them that that, that I can really see that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the schedule, you know, I, I was talking about Penn State maybe sneaking up and getting one, but I kind of like Minnesota's schedule here. Um, I was at home. At Penn State's a little tough, but, you know, by, by that late season, they could be a total mess. Yeah, and, you know, having to replace talent on offensive line and they lost six of eight on the defensive line is tough for any team, and that needs to gel fast if they want to improve on nine wins from last year. Um, uh, in my eyes, this team is not really deep, but they have the right pieces at the right skill groups, the right positions, and if Ibrahim can return to form, I think this could be – if all the you know cards play right or you know fall correctly, I think this could be a nine-win team again. Um, but their schedule, um, they do have to go away to like all the big games: Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin. So that's kind of a tough task there. They do have an easy three non-con with New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado to start the year off. Um, but home against Purdue, easy home game against Rutgers, Northwestern, and Iowa. So there's a, there's a chance there that they could you know be sneaky good and surprise some people with the talent they've lost and how they can have composure again. Yeah, but I mean, last year they also lost to Bowling Green, so got to be True. careful not, not not to get hit. Yep. Um, all right, maybe the team I'm most excited to talk about, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's time to move on to Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, is Scott Frost the most fired man of all time? It's funny you say that because I, I, I dug into my notes from last year um, when we did our Big Ten preview. And I think the first bullet point I had is Scott Frost is so, so done. <laughs> so he may be the most fired man ever, but he's also like – just like a cockroach, he's just, he's there. You can't kill him. Uh, he's five, 15 and twenty nine in Lincoln. Patience is very very thin. Um, he is trying to turn it around with a revamped offensive line and a handful of transfer talent, but uh, it's getting dark in Lincoln. Um, it's just storm clouds are forming. I mean, eight losses were by fewer than eight points last year, a first in college football history. And and each one seemed to kill him a little. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> Started the season, he was six two. By the time that last that last loss to Iowa, twenty eight twenty one, he was five three. I swear he he just he became smaller as the season went on. Like after like the fifth or sixth one, I think there he was. You could see him like crying, like he was crying while walking off the field. It's just like damn. Now I feel kind of bad for the guy. But I mean, this this is the season. This is it. This is the yeah, 2022 is there's no question about it. Make a break year. If he fails, he's gone. If he, I mean, <clears throat> they already are holding his like contract extension. That's was supposed to be given to him through 2027. He has to meet certain metrics. So <clears throat> it's, it's tough. They do bring in Texas transfer quarterback, Casey Thompson. Um, he'll have his work cut out for him where they ran Adrian Martinez out of, out of the college. Um, yep. He was pretty good last year, over 2,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 63% completion rate. Um, he was fighting a thumb injury while Adrian Martinez was fighting like multiple eye socket injuries, a broken jaw, broken ribs, all that stuff. Um, so you can tell that their offensive line needs to keep him upright. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, it's I don't know. Really, Nebraska is going to be I – I can't tell if they're just going to suck this year or they're going to surprise us, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, there's like you said about Casey Thompson, there's a lot of pressure on him. Maybe he doesn't feel it because he's not a Nebraska kid, you know. He's just a transfer. But, I mean, Scott Frost's job, Mark Whipple's in here from Pitt, so there's probably some pressure for him to turn Casey Thompson into a Kenny Pickett. Um, and sort of just the weight of the program, because it, it, it's really all, just all going to come down to him. Um, you know, so... Yeah, and, 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 and uh, like uh, with the, with him, like uh, offensive e- efficiency is going to be uh, hopefully something he can improve on. I mean, last year there were six point four yards per play, which ranked eighteenth nationally, but they were twenty seven point nine points scoring, which ranked seventy first. So if they're more efficient with Casey Thompson and keep him up upright, they do have like uh, some good talent. They, I think I got to look out for is L- LSU transfer Trey Palmer, who. Um, is a wide receiver. Apparently, he's he's very very fast. So I'm going to keep an eye out there. Um, but <clears throat> defensive, the defense might be good enough this year. Um, they were last year. It's yeah. just it's just hinges on quarterback play. And if they don't, you know, continually drop dumb dumb games, like games that have like a 75 percent chance of winning in the fourth quarter, and they end up losing by three. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just have to if they can just get out of their own way. Yes, this this is a bowl team. This is maybe a seven win team. I mean, definitely. Dare I say an eight win team? Yeah, I haven't pegged a seven or eight. Uh, that's where I think they are. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. So I mean, they have the right pieces. It's just Scott Frost's got to finish. Yeah, I mean, season opener. Uh, in Dublin against Northwestern, he's got to win that one. I mean, that's just going to set the tone for the year. Last year, they came out, uh, you know, also in week zero and lost to Illinois. And I think that just soured the rest of the season for them. Yes. It just put a lot of pressure on him. I think it made the team make weird decisions. I think it made him make weird decisions, um, you know, with timeouts and punting and, and that sort of stuff. So I think that's just the key game. They win that game. They win it comfortably. I think we're talking about a different type of Nebraska team. But if they go out there and, you know, piss down their leg against Northwestern, um, he might he might not make it to the bye week. No, I don't even think if he pisses the, you know, against Northwestern and that same energy translates into North Dakota, um, he won't even make the Oklahoma game, I don't think. Yeah. Also, that Oklahoma game, oof, that's a tough non-con to throw in there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun, fun. Um, Godspeed to them. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, our next team, um, we talked a little bit about them with the Wisconsin, in the Wisconsin preview, Purdue, a quietly, maybe the most quietly solid team last year. Yeah. Um, an excellent they went nine and four they had maybe the bowl game of the season against tennessee in that music city bowl where they just seemed to trade touchdowns back and forth yeah um and once again the big 10 proved they're superior to the sec just something to think about mm-hmm. um uh aiden o'connell is um after cj stroud he's probably the best quarterback in the conference um due for 37 3700 yards last year 28 touchdowns and was just, I mean, just like I said, just like quietly solid. This, it was just he's rock. Long, he, he can sling it, man. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, they did have their best season since 2000. The Drew Brees-led 2000 team. Um, most wins in 18 years, and they upset number two Iowa on the road and Michigan's number three Michigan State at home. They won five road games the first time since 1943 and finished 5-1 the last six games. So they, they really had some heart to them last year and really, you know, they were definitely underdogs and they kind of underrated. Um, but this – in a conference that is just like so run the damn ball heavy, um, it's really nice to have a change of pace team like this because uh, they like – I think they finished like 1,400 more passing yards and 21 more touchdowns than the number two team in the division, just passing game right there. So they they love throwing the ball. And Aiden O'Connell, I think, is going to be a star. Um, I think the only knock I have against him is he didn't really show up in the games that didn't really matter. Um, but when he played against AP top 110 teams, he was 75% with a nine touchdown to zero interception rate. He averages over 430 yards per game. Um, and his efficiency was like 170. But when he was playing just regular old teams, he was averaging less than 300 yards per game. So I think if he can tweak that a little bit, he can really, really excel. Yeah. And it'll also be tough for him to replace David Bell. Um, at wide out and then their other top receiver from last year, Milton Wright is ineligible due to NCAA issues. So that hurts. However, having one of the best tight ends in the big 10 in pain Durham back as a safety blanket, that'll help ease the transition. I think. Yeah. And being a passing, a happy offense, I think the, that those lumps will be smoothed over um, after a few games. Once he gets, you know, chemistry with the new guys stepping in, like, um, Brock Thompson and TJ Sheffield. Um, so they, I think they do have some some quality depth there. Yeah, and then on defense, they bring back nine starters to a defense yes. that was, was solid last year. And if the defense is just a little bit better, I mean, I think we're looking at a, a, another eight, nine win season. Yeah, absolutely. I know replacing uh, first like talent and George Karlaftis, who was a first-round talent in the NFL last year. Yeah, this past draft, that's going to be tough. But again, that's like the only big name that's gone, and they do have capable guys to fill that hole in Jack Sullivan, um, <clears throat> Branson D, and a few other guys. Um, but they, 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 uh, their defense is pretty sound, and I agree with you. Um, I think they are primed for a good season this year. Um, Aiden O'Connell can do a little bit better out of the big games. I think they can win nine again. Yeah, I think so. If, if things Mertz isn't what we think he is with Wisconsin, I mean, I don't. The less said about Iowa's offense, this is a team I, I could see if just kind of the way this. Maybe they could slide in that Big Ten West uh, championship spot and yeah. and earn themselves a date with Ohio State. Um, maybe not much of a reward, but maybe they can get to the Rose Bowl or something. Yeah, I mean, the schedule falls nicely. They open up the season against Penn State at home, which if they get the upset early against struggling Penn State squad, it'll fare well. Um, I mean, Indiana State and Syracuse next, and FAU after that. I think the toughest game is away at Wisconsin, middle of, or end of October, and then Iowa right after that. The schedule falls kind of nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but Iowa's at home. Nebraska's at home. None, none of, yeah, none of the road games are truly, truly scary outside of Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll say, I'll say eight, nine wins. 
Yeah, I think the floor for them is a bowl game. That's like worst case scenario for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to Illinois, five and seven last year. Just missed a bowl, kind of surprisingly. Um, if they had taken care of Vincent against Rutgers, they would have been in a bowl. Um, or Purdue, they lost that one by four. Anyway, this is a team that I think is a little bit ahead of schedule for Brett Bielema. Um, I think he had the stones to quickly make the move to switch the offensive coordinator out and bring in the coordinator of UTSA, a team that beat Illinois last year. Um, he's going to bring a more up-tempo offense to the Illini. And I and they also had Tommy DeVito, a Syracuse transfer. That was a great um, get for them so, if they want to improve offensively. Definitely. Yeah, Brandon Peters was not good. Arthur Sitowski was not good. So if Tommy DeVito can just bring that sort of just competency, I think that's just going to go such a long way for this team. Yeah, and they, I mean they did finish five and seven, which was almost unexpected. Um, yeah, I mean they had that nine overtime win over number seven Penn State, and they beat number twenty Minnesota in a defensive gauntlet, fourteen to six. Um, so yeah, I mean offensively they got Tommy DeVito. He's going to be, I think he's going to provide a boost for them. Um, it's going to be very crucial. Uh, they <clears throat> they do need to build depth around their wide receivers, and I think they have two foundational pieces in Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington. Um, their defense is pretty sound last year. Um, I kind of, I think they're fine with inside linebacker defensive line. Their passing game was kind of a weakness, but they did grab some guys out of the portal. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the major change for them was hiring that offensive coordinator, Barry Lunny Jr. from UTSA, um, who came off a very solid year. They have foundational assets. It's a good thing to start with. Uh, I mean, I think best case scenario for me is them making a bowl game this year. I think if everything goes right and they went five and seven last year, and if their Tommy DeVito uh, boosts that offense just a little bit, they can get to six wins. Yeah. I mean, they could catch Nebraska late October. Who knows what state of disarray they'll be in then. I think we'll learn a lot about this team in the two games at Indiana. Then they host UVA. Um, I think, I think we'll get a pretty good read on this team pretty quickly this year. Um, I mean, hell, week one against Wyoming, that's a team that relishes being P5 team, so they got to be careful there as well. Yeah. Okay, our last team in the Big Ten, Northwestern. Um, man, I'm so sick of Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald, oh, I'm going to get an NFL job. I'm going to get an NFL job. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty tired of this hot cold business where they're like, "Hey, we're you know we're the best this year." Oh, and then next year we're the absolute worst in this flip flopping. I know the way that goes. Technically, this year they're supposed to be the best in their division, but I don't think that's going to happen. They, yeah. It's just there have been so this quarterback consistency has been a serious problem with this team since Clayton Thorson left in 2018. They had a Clemson, tra- Clemson transfer in Hunter Johnson. Indiana transfer Peyton Ramsey, and they have USC's throwaway, Ryan Holinsky, um, who I think is probably going to start this year, but he didn't pan out last year. He had three touchdowns and four picks with barely under 1,000 yards. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't This team, I think, is going to stink this year. Yeah, I mean, in a conference full of incompetent offenses, they might have been the most incompetent. I mean, yeah. the thing about this team is awful to look at. I mean, 114th in efficiency, 125th in point game, 
116th in total offense. It's just nothing about this team is worth a damn. And you have to wonder, I mean, I know Fitzgerald has built a pretty consistent program here. Um, they kind of are down for a couple of years and they're up for a couple of years, but the offense has always been like this. And you have to wonder like, when is this your fault? You know? Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know, man, like they need playmakers to emerge. Uh, Malik Washington's the only one returning wide out who caught more than 20 passes. They do have a bright spot in the running game with Evan Hull, who had a thousand over a thousand yards and caught out the backfield. But I just uh, this this whole team to me stinks. I just not a big fan of it. Yeah, I'm seeing three wins here. One maybe in the conference. I mean, just this is looking a lot like last year. I mean, maybe you'll beat Duke. Congrats. I will say if they beat Nebraska, if they beat Nebraska and they go, they start a season four and zero. I think they might be able to sneak away with a bowl game, but uh, man, that's a big, whew, big if. I'm like, <clears throat> literally, the only like highlight I have with this team is they have the best left tackle in the country, and Peter uh, Skornowski, who apparently had succeeded in predecessor Rashawn Slater, who was like a top ten pick a few years ago. Um, but other than that, man, not much to see here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a ridiculous game. Um, they're they're from outside Chicago, so if Northwestern makes a bowl game, I'll take a nice hearty pull of Malort. Hell yeah! Get that. <laughs> yes, watch some nasty football and have that just backwash taste in your mouth. Oh mm. yeah, atrocious. All right, who? Let's move on to the superlatives. Who do you have? Ohio State has to be right. Yeah, gotta be, and and I think we both think they'll beat Wisconsin in the title game. Yeah, I think so. I think that sounds about right. Unless Purdue has an amazing year and Wisconsin kind of drops, but uh, Wisconsin, I think, definitely will make the title or the uh, the winner division for sure. Yeah. Who is your offensive player of the year? Well. I'm probably going to go with – I like this guy so much. He's just so fun to watch, running back from Minnesota, Muhammad Ibrahim. But, I mean, it, it's probably going to go to C.J. Stroud or Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll rep for Travion Henderson. But, yeah, one, one of that three-headed monster from Ohio State. Um, yeah. On the defensive side, I think we're looking at Jack Campbell from Iowa, the linebacker. Agreed. Yep. I was going to go with him or um, – the guy I mentioned from Wisconsin, um, the outside linebacker, his name is escaping me already. Um, Nick <clears throat> yes, Nick Kirby. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, who is getting that ass fired? It's going to be Scott Frost. <laughs> this is Scotty Boy. Yeah. Maybe Pat Fitzgerald. I just don't think they'll, they'll – I just don't think Northwestern cares enough to fire Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, I could see if, if Indiana had a disastrous season like last year, um, the honeymoon might be over for, for, for Tom Allen. Um, but honestly, I think that might be it here. I mean, yeah. I think Rutgers has patience with Shiano. Maryland's not going to fire Loxley. 
I mean, maybe if Ohio State has an awful season, maybe Ryan Day gets the boot. I mean, I, I guess it'd be – you look at this that roster and you say there's no way. But – Yeah. Like, I think it could be five. Yeah. If he truly shits the bed, yeah, Ryan Day could be gone. But that's that's a big, big what if. I also think Kirk Terrence could accidentally call his player a slur. Um, could definitely happen. Yeah, his son has done, it was accused of it before, so I, I could see fans yeah, taking it back. They're going to cover that, up his Iowa, that fan base. No, no, no. He, he sneezed, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of kind of a weird amount of stability in, in this, uh, some of those guys leave for the NFL, um, which is always a threat that I wish some of these guys would fall through Who, on. This is another – we're speaking of that, just letting out one of those words. Uh, who Was it Oklahoma a week ago? Their coach, yeah, uh, resigned. Mike, because Mike his, his brother. Yeah, he picked up a player's tablet and read it straight. The funny, I read more into that. He didn't do it once. He did it. He read it multiple times. Like this, wild to me. Just like I'm gonna keep. Like um, after he says like one or two times, like not doesn't realize it. Yeah, it, it wasn't a one time whoopsie daisy. He was like, I'm going back for seconds. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Big Wolf. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see everyone next week for our SEC preview. We've got more interviews lined up. An absolute jam-packed mega episode. I can't wait. Patrick, how are you feeling about that? I can't wait to tell my dogs, baby. I can't wait. I got some takes cooking. That's the way there. I mean, cooking. Let's just say another national title is in the cards for the Bulldogs. Oh, is that a little cards that are fantasy land that are not real? No, my real cards. Well, my real cards say Notre Dame 14 and 0. Mm, my real card says, well, you're wrong. Stupid. Interesting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, we'll see everyone next week.